You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Bingo. They straighten up 27-8 the quarter. How much left for sure thing? Captain, there's room for Dangerous. Model Barno second at the moment. Then Dangerous Fashion Icon can't go on. The leader is sure thing Captain. It's got a bit of a kick on the outside. Dangerous is trying its heart out in second. Posse but sure thing Captain. Gee, it races well here. And sure thing Captain's got to go home and score. Sure thing Captain first. Horse that showed a lot of promise right from day one. They had a big day out yesterday, didn't they, Chris? So well done, Shannon Price and Adam Sanderson. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Three starters at Menangley yesterday for the Queensland-based trainers, and uh, they were able to get the three winners. So sure thing, Captain, forceful. They took the last as well with Makara. So a perfect day down there in Sydney at Menangle. So looking forward to this series. We've got more heads of this Nutrien series being staged tonight at Bendigo. And there's one race in particular, Steve. It's early. It's race three, 6.30. The big boss was absolutely just lights out at Echuca last time out. Fast time. And he goes up against Bay of Biscay, who's fresh up. This is a runner from the Emma Stewart Clayton Tonkins stable. Beautifully bred, a son of Nike Franco. And uh, they're going to clash. Only the four runners. That's going to be a very interesting contest there. The big boss up against Bay of Biscay tonight at Bendigo. Nathan Rothwell, our first guest this morning. Thanks to Garrards. Yeah, Nathan, good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm really well. I wanted to get you on just to profile you a little bit more. I've got to ask first up, are you a Queenslander? Uh, yes, officially I am. Yeah. Okay. But you've spent a fair bit of time in Victoria. Yeah, I have. Um, I spent a few years uh, down in Victoria, but um, yeah, I've um, spent the rest of my life um, up in Queensland before that. Okay. Have you always been involved with the horses? Uh, oh, pretty much. Probably from a, a young age, I was always, uh, always had something to do with horses. It's probably only been the last three to four years that I've actually um, been hands-on with um, harness racing. Okay, so when did you get bitten by the harness racing bug? When did you know that this is going to be your future? Um, oh, pretty early on. I, I always wanted to be either a jockey or um, be a harness driver. Um, and it was more um, the weight um, that steered me into being a harness driver, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I've always loved watching harness racing and I've always had a love for the sport. And it was probably about... Four years ago, just before I moved to Victoria, um, I uh, enrolled in a course, um, the Gippsland Harness Centre um, at Warrigal. And, um, yeah, I did that for three years and completed it and got my certificate and had a great time down there. And um, the plan was to always come back. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely bitten by it now. All right. Well, there's a few things to unpack there. First and foremost, you're not a big guy so with the jockey aspirations and, and the weight factor is it because you're so tall that it sort of ruled out you being a jockey yeah look um to be honest probably about three or four years ago i actually thought i was going to probably weigh a bit more um but yeah look it was probably the height that scared me a little bit i reckon yeah fair enough because how, how tall would you be um about five eleven Okay, all right. And then when you made that move down to Gippsland to that training centre, how did you approach that with your parents? 
Um, oh, look, they they were all for it. They were happy to they were happy to um, come down um, with me and my brother. Um, and yeah, look, all credit to them. They've they've been a huge help help for us. Um, I can't say too many parents would be that committed to doing that for their kids. Um, yeah, so that was that was great um, by them. And yeah, look, they've they've got us in this position now. Um, and yeah, it's just really good. All right, so they've sacrificed a lot. So where are you based? Are you up north side? Yeah, um, I'm a, around Kaminia, so about um, five minutes from Matt Elkins and about uh, ten minutes from Pete Chantel. Okay, all right. Now, are you loving the season so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, just Queensland racing in general, I just like the style of it. Um, definitely a lot different um, compared to, you know, uh, Victorian racing. Um, it's just um, flat out, with no brakes, and, and yeah, that's how, that's how I like it. Well, was there any temptation of staying on in Victoria once you completed your course, or was the ambition always to return to Queensland and then make a proper go of it in your home state? Um, oh, look, yeah, there was always the ambition to come back, I think. Um, just being based where we were at, um, around the Warrigal area, you know, it's not a big harness racing area now. Um, and, yeah, look, we, we always thought that we are going to, you know, buy a property up here and um, get get settled in. And, um, yeah, it was, always, it was always the ambition, that's for sure. All right. And just going back to those days at the, uh, the training centre down there at Warrigal, so who were the, some of the, the, the trainers down there that helped bring you along? Um, well, Jennifer Lewis, um, she was the head trainer there, and um, Chris Hunter as well who's, um, yeah, he's renowned um, for having great trotters. Um, he's, run, he's won a lot of big races with the trotters. And, um, yeah, he was, he was a great help um, for me and my brother. Um, and so, so was um, Jennifer Lewis. All right. So three years down there, invaluable experience, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, um, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's really set us up. All right. So you're back here in Queensland. Things are going along really well. Good success so far this year. Who were the drivers as a youngster when you were captivated by harness racing that you looked up to? And now that you're competing and driving against some of these guys, who are, who are the drivers that stand out most for you? Oh, look, um, up here, it's always been, um, you know, um, leader Peter, I guess. Um, he's always been someone I've really looked up to. Um, and, he, you know, in Victoria, whilst I was down there, Greg Sugars, he was a... Um, massive um you know massive person i looked up to down there but i'd have to say yeah pete up here he was um yeah he was someone that i always looked up to nathan are you a type of guy that would go up to someone and just uh you know uh, pose a few questions just for your own curiosity and uh you're, you're keen to develop and learn more so are you one of those guys that you know happy to go up and talk to someone and just find out more or as much as possible um yeah i guess i probably could do that a little bit more but um yeah, look, I'd be happy enough to, to do that. Yeah, for sure. Right. So it's you and your brother, Will. Uh, you're working your own couple of horses as well right now, and they're going along really well. So Player Blank of the Mayor and Tommy Bly, they're, they're going along really good. Um, are they just the two that you have in work currently? Uh, yeah, they're, they're just the two we have in work currently. We've got one in the paddock at the moment, um, a perfect dance. She's a, she's a nice mare. We hope to have her back. Um, soon enough um, and then you know it's probably 
uh, we're looking at increasing our numbers to at least half a dozen um, pretty soon. Um, it was just more about getting the property set up and, and um, you know, having the right um, things on the property to to cater for enough horses where we're nearly at that point. So, um, yeah, it'll be good once we can start, you know, to increase numbers a little bit. All right. So you're based out there at Kaminya. How does the property look? How's it coming along? How big a track do you have in there? Um, the track's uh, just over a 1,000 metres. So, yeah, that's that's worked out really good. It's coming along pretty good. It's probably only realistically probably a few weeks away from being, um, you know, um, like ready to go. Um, we've got a jog track out there as well, which we've been using, which has been good. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's more been about just, you know, getting yards set up and, and little things like that that is, you know, starting to come along now. So, um, yeah, it's all coming along. All right, excellent. You've been going to all three tracks, so Marburg, Albion Park and Redcliffe. Do you have a preference one over the other or do they all give you some sort of challenge at, at different points? Oh, look, I'd, I'd have to say Albion. Definitely, um, it's just a, it's just a great track. Um, but you know, also as well, I actually like Redcliffe. Um, it's definitely different. Um, but yeah, look, it's a, it's a challenge, and and I like that as well. And even Marburg, like you know, it's a small tight track, but you know, it's it's probably probably behind Redcliffe and Albion just just because you know it's typically you know it's just a leaders track which um, doesn't really give any of the other horses a chance. Yeah, fair enough. So we're in the midst of uh, leaving Albion Park. That's going to come up in, in 2025, which is not all that far away. Potentially a new home is going to be uh, built at Norwell. What size track would you like to see built down there? You're only a young guy, so tell me what you're thinking. Oh, uh, look, I'd like to see a 1,200-metre track in um, and have more on the front line. Um, that's, that's the way I see it, um, and that's the way I see, you know, Looking at, you know, American-style racing, you know, you look at um, what they're doing at Menangle, I feel like that's that's the way it's heading and, and that's the way I think we should go. All right. Have you got ambitions to get down to Menangle and drive on that big track soon? Oh, definitely, for sure, yeah. I'll definitely get down there at some stage. Um, yeah, looks looks a nice drive to, uh, a track to drive around. All right. And tell me, just during the recent Constellations, uh, how did you find it going up against some of those interstate drivers some of the big name interstate drivers as well how did you how did you find yourself going up against those guys oh yeah it's a bit surreal really um yeah like i've only i haven't even had 200 drives um under my belt yet so um yeah it's pretty cool to be out there with those sort of drivers um and and yeah i guess um yeah it's just great great opportunity all right. Uh, you've got four drives tonight. I'm just going to go through them. In the first, you're driving Just Josh. And this is your first time behind this guy tonight? Uh, yeah, first time behind him. Um, he looks he looks like he goes pretty good. Um, he's, he's a nice, consistent horse. All right. Barrier four, does that make it a little tricky at Redcliffe? Yeah, it makes it a little bit tough. Um, it looks to be some speed inside. So I'm, I'm thinking, um, look, we'll have to talk to Connections, but I'm thinking it looks like, We'll have to go back and just slot in somewhere as quick as possible and, and hope they go um, quick enough, and I'm sure he'll be running on. All right. Race two, little change. Speaking of tough draws, he's got gate six, but you know this guy. You've sat behind him previously. How does he sort of line up here for you? Yeah, he's he's a really cool little horse. Um, not 
de- well, definitely not a uh, the ideal barrier for him. Um, but we'll just go back with him and hope the speed's on. Um, he's an honest little horse. So, yeah, look, if they go quick enough, um, I'm sure he'll be running on as well. All right. Mr. Diamond looks a good chance in race three. Last start winner. Draws ideally barrier one. Can he go back to back? Uh, looks like it. Looks like we'll hold up, definitely. Definitely from the one today. Um, and, um, you know, if we get it easy enough, uh, easy enough up front, well, um, yeah, I'd say he'd be very, very hard to beat. All right. Now that you've driven Reckliff a number of times, the, uh, the start point uh, at the 2040, a lot easier to hold up from an inside draw there compared to the 1780. Am I right in saying that? Sorry, what was that? It's a lot easier to lead from the 2040 metre start point from an inside gate in comparison to the 1780 start point. Oh, definitely. It's a it's a huge advantage. Um, it's definitely a lot easier. Um, yeah, you definitely don't have to work your horses hard. Um, yeah, and they just tend to, to hold it yeah, easier. All right. And your other drive tonight, nice and early races, one, two, three, four for you. So you've been looked after. Mount Hercules, you're perfect on this guy. One drive, one win. Can you keep that uh, that good form uh, going tonight? Yeah, well, hopefully, um, well, hopefully we're behind the leader. I mean... Um, the one looks like, yeah, there's a bit of speed to his outside. So we're hoping the one holds up. Um, but if not, he'll obviously be pinned three back the pegs and we're looking for some gaps late. Um, you know, he's not the sort of horse that looks ideal to, to, um, be making ground up the sprint lane three backs. So, um, he's a bit of a loping, um, like a loping stride fella. So, um, if gaps open, I'm sure he'll be right in it. All right. Well, I'm tipping you won't be too far from the action. Just one trainer that's given you plenty of opportunity, and I'm just keen to find out a little more. Jack and Tara Butler um, is the reigning Queensland trainer of the year. How did that all come about? Um, oh, he just put me on one day, really, and it, it all just started from there, um, I guess. He's, he's been great. He's, he's really kick-started um, my um, career, well, I guess, up in Queensland since since I moved up, and I'm very thankful um, for him, you know, giving me the opportunities I've had so far. And, um, yeah, look, hopefully I can keep driving winners for him. Yeah, he's a good man to have in your corner, no doubt about that. And you're prepared to go to all three tracks and you're looking for as many drives as possible? Yeah, for sure, yeah. I won't knock anything back, that's for sure. All right. When do we see Will? Is he going to be driving soon? Yeah, he's got aspirations aspirations to drive. Um, he just needs, I think, about five more trials. Um but, yeah, he'll get there. Um, not sure when exactly, but, yeah, we'll definitely see him at the track soon enough, right. I'd say. Excellent. And your mum and dad, they, they obviously like the harness racing because they get along to a lot of race meetings with you. Yeah, they're right right into it, um, especially dad. He's He's got his stable hand licence, so he gives us a hand um, at the races and at home a little bit. Um, he's always been, um, I guess, well, he's always had an interest in harness racing. Um, he's always owned horses. Um, and he, uh, around my age, he helped a lot of trainers out, you know, just um, stable hand duties and stuff like that. So I guess um, that's where we got the love for it. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's good to see you doing well up here, and I hope that uh, good success continues. You've got four drives tonight. You've got drives right up until the end of the weekend. So continued success and keep kicking goals. Thanks for that, Chris. There's Nathan Rothwell joining us, only 20 years of age, and he's doing a good job. He's got... Uh, Multiple winners so far this season, and he's only just started his career. So hopefully it's uh, the first of uh, 
of many more big seasons to come for Nathan. He is doing a good job being picked up by a lot of different stables as well. And as he just outlined, he's prepared to go to all tracks here in southeast Queensland. Paddy Krogan, I haven't spoken to Paddy for a while, and he joins me online now. Pat, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chris. You've got your little team going along quite nicely. Yeah, they're going okay for what they are, mate. You've just got the one runner tonight in race nine, Dare to Dream. Is this a winnable race tonight? Um, it's a tricky draw, but uh, she does have fairly good gate speed, so fingers crossed we can get over without doing too much work, and, uh, yeah, she might find the line. Right. Are you more worried about St. Jude, John, who's drawn gate two, or Alfire and Delight, who's off the second row? Um, more worried about Grant's horse drawn too. I think Grant always has them spot on and it's a good barrier for that horse. So um, I think, yeah, probably ability-wise, it's a little bit better than ours. All right. Well, hopefully she won't be too far away, dared to dream. You're in the winner's circle last week with a whole lot of pretty. She's going to start on the weekend. You've got this mare flying. Yeah, she, since I've sort of moved out to Pete McMullins and uh, he's given me a hand with her and that, she sort of really adapted to the sand track and she seems to be enjoying it, so... It's going to be a step up, obviously, Saturday night, but she's drawn where she needs to be on the fence, so we'll just see how we go. Yeah, she's quite versatile, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's a good follower of speed, and she has a short, sharp sprint, um, so she doesn't have to do too much work. She's always thereabouts if, if there's a bit of speed early. Right, were you confident last week from that draw? Uh, I'm never too confident, sort of, if sit sprinters, mate. It's too reliant on speed early, but she has been going really well. Right. Hey, you, you mentioned that you're out there at uh, Patrick Estate now. You've taken on the foreman's role for Chantel Turpin and Pete McMullen. How are you finding it? Oh, I love it. I wish I'd done it earlier, to be honest, Chris. It's, it's brilliant. They sort of they look after you really well, like you're part of the family. And, uh, yeah, both I, I enjoy it and the boys are loving it. So it's been really, really good. Right. Is it go, go, go? It seems like they've got a heap of horses. So is it flat out all day long? No, it, it, it's, it's, it's a well-run sort of operation. So um, everyone knows what we've got to do and that. We just get in and get it done and you finish when you finish. So, no, it's enjoyable. You're a man that likes a challenge. How do you find working with the trotters? Yeah, I love it. Love it. I've got a yeah. couple of favourites that I enjoy driving and that, um, it's, that's, that's another bonus about working out here, sort of working with a lot better quality horses. You know, it's a lot more enjoyable every morning sort of working some different ones. Yeah. Surely Gus is at the top of your tree as far as the trotters is concerned. Oh, yeah, he, he's a very talented horse, that. Uh, he, he, if he stays sound and healthy, I think he'll go a fair way. Yeah, no doubt about it. He was very impressive yesterday. Hey, there's a lot of talk at the moment about what the future holds for Queensland Harness Racing. You've been involved for, for a number of years now. Where do you think uh, we should be heading as far as the, the future is concerned? Like, Norwell's being tipped, so... If it is to be Norwell, what size track would you like to see down there? Um, I'll probably... I actually like Albion Park and obviously the old Gold Coast track, a 1,000-metre track, I think, um, pretty much ideal. Um, if it was better cambered, uh, I, I think, yeah, 1,000 metres, it sort of it works well now, so I don't see why we need to change it. Um, we just, we've just we obviously just got to get it, get it started building, you know. We need it done because, obviously, we can't go without a metro track for, for any period of time, so... It's, uh, it's really important that we get on top of it and get it started. Yeah, it, it's a good point you raised that. Uh, so you obviously believe that we can't really survive without a metro track for whether it's six months, nine months or two years? Not really. When you look at the, the lifespan of a racehorse sort of thing, you need good quality racehorses. 
you can't be affording to sort of be sitting out for six to nine months because you can't go to Redcliffe or Marburg with your, your top quality horses. So where are they going to race, you know? It's, um, yeah, we, we obviously need to get it sorted sooner rather than later. Yeah, and just on the track side, the 1,000 metres, like you said, Gold Coast, Albion Park, they were, well, Albion Park's still one of the best tracks in Australia. Gold Coast was probably the best track in Australia when it was up and running. So uh, is that the right size for Australia? We're seeing Bathurst, Wagga now, they've got those new tracks down there, and they're 1,000 metres, and they look like they're just perfect. Well, I, I think so. In my opinion, I actually don't enjoy watching Menangle races. I think they're just too boring and pedestrian. At least a thousand metre track, it gives you an opportunity. You can put your horse into the race if you've got to do a bit of work. Um, whereas the Menangle sort of thing, if you do a bit of work, you pretty much it's all over. So I think a thousand metres is a really good size track, to be honest. How many uh, would you like to fit in a sprint lane with your new track if you were building one? Um, well, if you're going to have a sprint lane, I'd probably I'd have two, two or sprint lane. Uh, so that's the, the punters seem to like the sprint lane. So you've got to try and keep them happy as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, no, I'm just keen to get your thoughts on that because, uh, you know, it's something that uh, isn't going away, this discussion point. So we've got to get it happening sooner rather than later because uh, we just can't sit around and uh, watch it sort of idle by because we've been down this path before with the Gold Coast. I appreciate having you on this morning, Pat. Continued success, and I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying your new role, and we'll see you trackside. No worries, Chris. Thanks, mate. I think he summed it up perfectly, Chris. Yeah, well, about it, it track seems... size and punters, what yeah. punters want, what the licensees want, participants. I think he summed it up beautifully. Yeah, well, I agree. I think the mm. 1,000 metres with, with the sprint lane, and we're seeing it now, like Bathurst and Wagga, their new 1,000-metre tracks in New South Wales, and they're spot on. They can run fast time, so it's benefiting the breeding industry as well, and punters are getting bang for their buck. You so get more moves in those races. Yeah, it's good mm. racing down at those centres, so... Mm. As we keep saying, if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. So, um, but Christian, what you were saying, it's, it is going to be a case. I mean, it, it, it's definitely going to be a case, isn't it, where it's going to have to be Redcliffe as the main track for who knows, maybe a year. Well, I, I don't know if we survive, Steve, if that's the case. Well, what else are they going to do then? Well, I, I don't know, but do you mm. think we can survive just racing at Redcliffe? So say, no, what for I, just months? for those background, what happened yesterday. So we spoke to Jason Scott. He basically said the government wants them out of Albion Park earlier than anticipated. So March 2025, Norwell's not going to be ready by then. So what happens, you know? Mm. Mm. There's, so there's it's a lot it's of sort of a necessary evil, that. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Do, do we have a, a carnival for that 12 months, if it is only 12 months? The I other thing know. is, Steve, uh, are these projects uh, that are undertaken by, by the government, do they finish on time? Don't know. Mm. Um, yesterday we got some correspondence via Twitter following our conversation and um, it was mentioned uh, Meribara. Do you know about a Meribara track in Queensland? I haven't heard about it. Um, was yeah, there a track I there have... years ago? Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what, what happens or how it sort of sits right now. So uh, that would be a lot more travel involved for those in the southeast corner. So that's a good couple of hours north. Um, but I, I don't know what the current situation is, whether it's still in existence, if it's usable or, or, or what. So I'm not sure how that sort of sits. Mm. All right. Lockie Hart. Lockie Hart joins us. He's a young guy and we'll get his thoughts on what the future holds here in Queensland. Lockie, good morning. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all mine. Uh, Norwell, if it is to be built, what size track would you like to see? You're only a young fella, so what size track is perfect here for Queensland? Um... I definitely think a thousand metres would be a, a good size track, uh, with the addition of a sprint lane as well. Um, 
yeah, I think watching sort of Albion Park makes for good racing there. And, yeah, I think something similar would be would be really good. Okay. Well, you've had the experience. You've worked down in Sydney. You were based at Menangle. It's a 1,400-metre track, but you still prefer the 5.8s, the 1,000 metres. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, I was based in Sydney for a bit. And, um, you know, Menangle racing is good. It's fast racing, but... Um, it can, it can be a bit sort of biased, you know, if you're not up front, it, it can be hard to, to make ground or, um, you know, it can also be benefit uh, horses who are back in the field as well. So, yeah, but I, I definitely think a 1,000 metres is, is the track to build. Mm, and, and it just seems that Menangle's is, is, oh, Menangle is not a track for every horse as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think some horses sort of prefer racing around a smaller track. Um, you know, some can get a bit lost out on a bigger track especially. So, yeah, I think definitely um, a 1,000 metres would be would be the ideal. All right. If harness racing is to sort of, you know, look at moving on from Albion Park and we're left with uh, Redcliffe and Marburg, whether it's for a, a short period anywhere between six months to two years, do you think we could come out the other side and be better for it? Um, oh, I definitely think it'd be hard. Uh, I think we'll lose a lot of our a lot of our nice horses up here. Um, you know, I don't think the better horses would sort of trainers would want them racing around Redcliffe every week and and Marburg on the smaller tracks where you know it's probably more likely that something could go wrong with them. Um, so yeah, that'd be it'd be a shame to to lose our better horses um, down south or even down as far as Melbourne, um, where they can find the bigger tracks and and things like that. Yeah, fair points, fair points. You've got two runners tonight at Rickliffe I wanted to ask about. Talk one, two, three, lines up in race three. She's drawn gate two, but you've got a good beginner to your inside and Mr Diamond. How do you rate her chances tonight? Um, I think she should be thereabouts. Um, she's got a good draw down, not, down nice and low. Um, she was probably going to run into it last week. I don't know if she would have won, but um, she got her back leg. She kicked the kicked the wheel with her back leg and went for a gallop just after the 400. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to racing her tonight. I think yeah, I think she'll race quite well. All right. So she was a winner four starts ago. But you outlined excuses last time out. So you're still convinced that she's going well? Yeah, I think she is going well. Um, she raced good at Marburg a couple of starts back where she got left out in the chair and um, she stuck on for second and only just got beat. And then I don't think she backed up quite as well when I raced her on the Thursday at Redcliffe. Um, she led up and she just didn't really finish the race off. So um, sort of just backed off her work a little bit and um, freshened her back up. And, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping tonight she can be competitive. All right. Is, is this a little easier, do you reckon, in, compared to her last two starts? Uh, I don't know if it's easier as much. Um, obviously, the draw helps, and uh, I think the 2040 might suit her a little bit better as well. Um, she's sort of not blessed with a whole lot of high speed, so uh, they sort of run it a bit more genuine. It'll definitely suit her. All right. Race five tonight, highly respected, ideally drawn here, gate one. Tell me this, though. Were you a little disappointed last start? Uh, yeah, I was definitely a little bit disappointed. Uh, I thought she was pretty spot on last week. Um, she, she doesn't really do herself any favours. She can sort of get a little bit fired up out in front. So I've been trying to look for a race where 
I can take a sit on something, but um, unfortunately she just hasn't hasn't had that race yet. So um, I don't think she's got it tonight either. So hopefully um, hopefully she can just relax a little bit out in the lead. And yeah, I think she should be pretty hard to beat. Okay, so gate one tonight, 2040. Is she better served at the, the shorter trip, the 1780? Uh, I don't. I don't think the trip would worry her as much. Um, like I said, it just doesn't really do her any favours when she sort of revs herself up a little bit. Um, but I, I think, yeah, the trip's not really an issue. It's, um, yeah, just trying to get her to relax. Yeah, she got keen last week, didn't she? And she was the uh, one that yeah. set up that fast time. Yeah, she did, and she sort of, um, yeah, just arches her neck a little bit and. Um, but anyway, it's racing, I suppose. She's been she's been honest since she's come up, so it's all you can ask. All right, you haven't tweaked any gear changes with her this week? Uh, no, not really. I've just put a little set of um, Dolly Vardens on her just to try and help her help her focus a little bit more on herself and block out sort of some of the other horses. So um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it'll uh, it'll help her. Well, hopefully you're in the winner's circle with her tonight. Highly respected. How many are you working right now? Uh, I've just got four in work at the moment. It's um, sort of just enough for me to juggle while I'm working full-time as well. Early starts then. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard to manage, but, uh, yeah, I get by. All right. Excellent. Well, hopefully you're in the winner's circle tonight, whether it be talk one, two, three, or highly respected. I really appreciate the time this morning and best of luck tonight. No worries, Chris. Thanks for having me on. There's Lockie Hart joining us. So uh, another young gun here in Queensland doing a good job with his small team. So he's another one, Steve. So that was mm. interesting because he did spend time at Menangle working for, for a number of good trainers down there, but he prefers the 5.8s, the 1,000 metres at Albion Park. So that's interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yesterday it was discussed about, you know, the possibility of maybe, uh, well, waiting for Norwell to be finished when we leave Albion Park inside one of the Gallops tracks. I know just out of interest, and it's not happening, but I'm just out of interest. The poly track, because I sent Murray Weeding a message what the circumference of that track is. It's 17.50 and it's 18 metres wide. Uh, Darren Clayton's a deep thinker. He's with us. What's your solution? Morning, guys. Solution, please. Morning. How are we today? Good. What did you? What would you do then? Um, throw my hands up in despair, yell and carry on. Um, that won't fix it. I know it won't fix it, Steve, but that's unfortunately where we're at. Like uh, one of the comments you made yesterday about, you know, could we throw unlimited resources in it to get it up and running um, beforehand? Well, you know, the flip side of that is why can't we go as we are going and then the government throw all the resources into Albion Park later down the track? Like, why, you know, go the other way? But, um, you know, it's it's just super... Fr- and I'm not, a, I'm not a participant in terms of, you know, training, driving, you know, getting my income from the sport in that way, but this sport has so many different stakeholders in so many different ways... And it's just it's just so frustrating that again something comes along like this, and you know you, you say March 2025. Well, to put that in perspective, it's effectively 18 months away. So we're in we're in uh, August now. So there's four months of this year left, 12 months of next year, and two months of 2025. So you know in 18 months now to put that in perspective, if you look at the Bathurst harness racing track, which was built on a greenfield site from new, which effectively is what um, 
Norwell is. It took three years from um, finding the site to a sod being turned, and from a sod being turned to opening was a further 16 months. So it's mm. it's dire straits. Mm. Yeah, Unless it really is. Jason will and be pushing for government, obviously, to you know give a, a bit of leeway here. Surely, um, we stay at Albion Park longer, but. Well, that's why I say, Steve, you know, do, do we keep the original close date that was slated to, to Racing Queensland and to the club and that they be able to then use that time to build a new facility and then, you know, the government come in and throw all their resources at Albion Park for their new facility there for the, for the basketball, mm -hmm. for the Olympics, rather than, than the other way around where we're still waiting for you know, official stakeholder engagement processes to be completed with the local residents. Um, you then got all the other different studies to take part. Like it's, it's you know, it's not like in 12 months time we can, from now we could be up and running because the the stark reality of that is it can't. Mm, depends if the, anyone in government's got a sympathetic ear for racing in general. I know if, if well, Russ Hins was in charge, be, yeah, if was a racing know, minister, it'd be done. Um, wh why are they trying thing. to kill off the industry? It's it's confusing because what it brings to the economy in terms of you know taxes through wagering, um, you know the, all the different stakeholders involved like the trainers, the owners, the drivers, you know on course staff, you know feed merchants like the it just goes down the line the pipeline that of of feeding into the sport as a whole is massive and you know that they just want to cut it off it's it's mind-boggling I, I just can't understand it and i'll ask you darren steve's mentioned the synthetic gallops tracks but the ramifications for the breeding industry would be dire because when they held races at devonport you told me yesterday that they tried this uh, many years ago but the times that they were running on those or on that track, that synthetic surface down there, were just so slow. So the ramifications for the breeding industry would be dire. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've spent however many years improving the breed, improving speeds, you know, working on confirmation of horses and, and improving that um, to, go, to get to a point where you turn around and say, well, OK, now you're... Um, you know, basically your times are out the window. Like even even at Redcliffe, yes, times have improved vastly at Redcliffe, but they're pretty much at their peak now where they can't go any faster. And, and not only that, you then have the, the horse welfare perspective where the breed has improved to the point that it's not designed to go around a three-cornered track. It's not to, designed to go around a 700-metre track. And, you know, we need to be able to, to move in that way. And, you know, even, you know, if you want to put it in a thoroughbred perspective, Steve, you look at um, how the breeds improved over the years in the thoroughbred industry, the Brisbane racing was able to survive for, you know, a long period of time where Eagle Farm was out of action. But they had Doombin there. If they didn't have Doombin or the Sunshine Coast, what would happen to, to Gallops Racing in Brisbane? Mm. Well, that's effectively where we're at now. We, yeah. we don't have a, a track that can support metropolitan racing. Mm. I wonder if at Norwell, you know, they could just get by, say, you know, rush, the, try and get the track built and some stables and then add, start to add on later on. Um, That's probably the only option they've got. Where we can at least sort of, use, where the participants can use it in a capacity where they can race and some stabling and then the other stuff, you know. Well, um, that's, that's pretty much where they're at now, Steve. If they only want it to be nine to 12 months 
um, without that venue, well then they need to start now and it needs to be up and running as a venue, purely as a racing venue. It won't have, you know, be able to have spectator um, facilities or anything like that because that will take another, you know, amount of time time to build. So, yeah, it, it's not good. Would both of you guys agree that they've basically got one one shot at getting this right? Because you can't have a situation like the Eagle Farm track, and I'm not pouring cold water on that, but I'm just saying we'll get one opportunity with the funding through government. So if we don't get the track size right and don't get it right the very first time, we're in a, a real heap of trouble moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And to that end, Chris, I think you just need to build a thousand metre track. I think the time for innovation and finding new, you know, 1200 metre tracks and shoots and all that, we don't have that, um, you know, we yeah. don't have that luxury anymore. We've just got to build yeah. it this, pretty so much the same way as we've got. It's say the work started in January, next year or December this year. Could they do a track in 12 and a, some stables? Well, well, it all comes down to... Yeah, weather permitting, and then also, Steve, like how the track settles. Like, there's no point, you know. What if it you're on a on a, on land out there, which is already, you know, it's sugarcane country, and um, perhaps had water over it for a period of time. Does the land need more time to settle? There, you know, that could be another factor. Mm. Anyway, we'll keep talking about this, but we'll just see what what happens. But we need action. We need action. Redcliffe tonight, Darren, 10 races. Where do we find your best bet? Yeah, I thought uh, we need to be patient tonight and we go down to race number nine and it's horse number eight, Our Fire and Delight. Um, finds the right race here, second up. Was really good first up coming over from New Zealand. It was a, a 2,040 metre trip there. She met first up and had to do it pretty tough there. She was only beating her neck. Gets the second line here, but but finds a really winnable race. Probably the main danger, St. Jude on first up from a spell. And our fire and delight really liked the way she uh, hit the line last time out. Um, good price is probably gone now, but she's still in black figures, which is more than enough. So race nine, horse eight, our fire and delight. Okay, 2.10 there. That might be a good exotic race to focus on. St. Jude on. We spoke with Pat Grogan, Dead to Dream. So might be able to couple them up and uh, snare the exotics there. What else stands out for you tonight? Yeah, there's one in the first race back to the other end of the of the scale um, that I've been following. Um, number seven, Reason to Be. Just um, He's been pretty good in races that probably not as suitable. Gets a race here where he follows out AJ Breezy Rose, who's a good beginner, should get him to the passing lane. And I think uh, once that presents, should be able to dart through and, and get the cash for us. Race one, horse seven, Reason to Be. All right, $2 there. Give us some numbers for the quaddy. So the first leg, a um, little bit of a tricky one, this one, I thought, being over the 2040. Again, it can find a few horses out, so just playing it a bit wide. I've got number eight, our Uncle Nev on top without any uh, confidence. Party politics, I thought she was a good chance last week over this same trip and not beaten far, only she loomed up but got grabbed late. And throwing number one, highly respected, uh, gets the gate, but again, um, hasn't been able to see the middle trip out. And also throwing number five, Mr. Rio de Janeiro. Um, he can finish off late. So one, five, eight, and nine. The second leg, 
Um, I've got number two, Lucky Jim, on top. I noticed there's been quite a bit of money for the one horse, which is first up in Queensland, but um, I'm prepared to leave it out of the numbers and go with number one, Lucky Jim. Just wasn't suited last week over the 2040, rolled forward, but um, it was a pretty steady. He just couldn't see it out. I think back to the sprint will be ideal for him. Throw in number three, Matt Irie Actor, and number seven, Mr Hart. If uh, if the one does try to hold up, Mr Hart should get that perfect trip. So two, three, seven, the third leg, race seven. Um, I thought this is a race in two between one, Rolonex. He probably leads them up try and hold them off and number seven rock override he'll get the perfect trip in behind and be ready to take the shot so one and seven there a typical Redcliffe leader behind leader scenario and in the final leg going one out with number two black jack beth big dropping grade for this mare um She's been going good at Albion Park. Gets back to Redcliffe. Should be able to get to the front and see it out. So bringing it home with number two as the anchor. Okay, so your numbers tonight for the Redcliffe Quaddy: one five eight nine into two three seven into one and seven, and then two. So a grand total of twenty four dollars for one hundred percent of the dividend. Yeah, and. Um... Yeah, looking forward to seeing our fire and delight one race later after the quaddie. So we should have getting the quaddie going all into our fire and delight in the ninth. Okay, that's race nine, number eight. And you're keen in the first on number seven. Hey, just a couple of quick ones. Uh, we saw Captain Shuffles win yesterday at Albion Park. So he's progressing nicely towards that try. That's going to be a good rematch there between Speak the Truth and Captain Shuffles. Everard, the Breeders' Classic winner, she's getting set for the triad. She's de- uh, set to trial today down there in Sydney. So her Spectra also trialling today for Ricky Elchin. Uh, better be the best trialled on Monday night. Look really good uh, at Bathurst there, uh, Darren. So he's come back. So definitely no Eureka. They're aiming towards the Breeders' Challenge. Uh, Pete McMullen, it's Friday week that he jets off to uh, Europe to uh, represent Australia at the World Drivers' Championship. So we'll track down Pete between now and next week before he heads off. And speaking of Pete and his wife, Chantel, uh, Somerset Farms, their new stallion, Catch the Fire, has touched down in Australia. He's still got some quarantine to do, but uh, he has landed on Aussie soil. And uh, also, I've been reliably informed, Tab have got a heap of new markets up, futures markets, for a heap of our features towards the back end of the year. We've been talking about the Eureka. The markets are up now for the Lensmith Mile, uh, which is the same day as the Eureka, so that's September 2. Uh, the Victoria Cup and the Inter-Dominion Series, both Pacers and Trotters, and that's being staged here in Queensland at Albion Park. So if you like one now, those markets are available, Darren, so you might be doing some homework this afternoon. Yeah, I've already uh, had a good squiz at them. Leap to fame, the $3 favourite for the pacing final. Swayze at $5, Catch a Wave at $7.50. Interestingly, Catch a Wave has already eased. They opened him at $5. He's out to $7.50. So that's uh, that's a pretty interesting move uh, first up there. So um, we'll keep an eye on that market going forward. And uh, in the trotting trotting markets, just believe he. I think he touches down today, or is he already back and been in quarantine? One one way or the other, he's back from his Swedish vacation uh, assault mm. on the elite lop. Um, he's heading the trotters market at four dollars. Just back to what we we're talking about, guys. Just received some correspondence from a harness uh, participant saying that. Uh, let me just find it here. Um, re you know, rushing Norwell. If we can just get the track up and going, uh, temporary grandstands, pop-up food trucks for the public participants would surely get us by. 
The only other thought is if there's more than one training track at Deegan or any other location, could they change the surface of one temporarily? Um, yeah, it's probably clutch. They said I'm probably clutching at straws. Anyway. Well, that's the other thing, Steve. Like, yes, we, we now find ourselves in that position and we might have to look for a workaround, but the size of this industry and trying to keep it professional, like, should we really be having to do that? Yeah, that's right. We can't cheapen the product. Exactly. Mm. And we've, you know, Racing Queensland have done so much in the in the past few years to get us where we are now, where, you know, where we come out of the most recent Constellations Carnival where turnover was at an all-time high and, you know, we've got good horses, we've got good Carnival to, you know... The new, the new race next year, the Proto-Star slot race for, for two-year-olds. Like, what happens to that? We have one running of it. Yeah, but I bet Jason Scott and the team at RQ are just as frustrated as, as us, you know, given... Oh, I'm sure they are, yeah. Stephen, you know, and they're, they're the ones that are having to put in the work in the background to try to, to get this on track. It's just unfortunate that we find ourselves in a position that we shouldn't have to be.